0: read some scripture here before uh, we get into God's Word. And this is just three verses from Acts 17, uh, 10 through 12. uh, And so I'll read it and you can uh, follow along on the screen. This is uh, Paul and Silas on their second missionary journey. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. We're going to pray this morning and ask God to bless us, and we pray this morning. Lord, uh, thank you for the cross. Um, Thank you for uh, the privilege we have to share the good news Thank you for airline, missionary, airline pilots that facilitate taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we thank you for Jocelyn and her willingness to follow you, and we pray your continued blessing on her. Uh, Give her safety as she continues on with her ministry. Um, Lord, we thank you that we can also pray for one another, encourage one another, and and now Lord, we pray that you would um, open up our ears and our minds and our hearts to what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been looking at the book of Acts uh, for quite a while, so let me just kind of bring us up to speed, and um, uh, then we're going to jump into Acts chapter 17 and Paul's second missionary journey. So the book of Acts uh, covers about 30 years of history from 30 AD to 60 AD, and the topic of the book of Acts is the birth and the growth of the church, and so it's really early church history written by Dr. Luke. And uh, if you've been with us through this book, you'll know, uh, I've said this almost every Sunday, the outline of the book is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It's the key verse and it's the outline of the book. And um, it's really the words of Jesus before he ascended to heaven. Here's what he told his disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, there's the outline of the book of, of, Acts. Chapters one through seven is all about what? The gospel taking hold in Jerusalem. The birth of the church. Acts chapter two. Where did that take place? It took place in Jerusalem on Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit comes and Peter, who six weeks earlier had denied that he even knew Jesus three times, gets up and he preaches this powerful message. Three thousand people come into the church on that day and the church is born. And the first seven chapters of of Acts focus on the church in Jerusalem. And what happens? Persecution comes. A fellow by the name of Saul of Tarsus, the chief persecutor of the church, and he's wanting to throw Christians into jail, and so the church scatters. And as they scatter, what do they do? They take the gospel to what? Judea and Samaria. That's chapters 8 through 12. What's the rest of the book about? Well, that's the rest of the book, chapters 13 through 26, or is it 28? Someone can fact-check me on that. I think there's 28 chapters in Acts. It's the gospel going to the ends of the earth. How does that happen? Well, Paul's life is totally changed. Saul's life is totally changed on the road to Damascus. He meets Jesus and becomes what? A great missionary of the church, doesn't he? He takes three missionary journeys, and as he takes these missionary journeys, the gospel reaches the ends of the earth. So we're in missionary journey number two. He's already taken one missionary journey, and Paul says, let's go back and visit the churches where we were the first time. So he takes Silas, and they begin this second missionary journey. And so I've got a little bit of outline in the bulletin of where we're going on our travelogue today. So if you want to take that out. We'll see that last week uh, we traced in Acts chapter 16 that uh, Paul and the missionary team started out in Antioch and uh, follow that yellow line. We ended up uh, in Philippi where Paul and Silas ended up in jail and then an earthquake came and Paul and the prisoners uh, uh, confronted the, the jailer and the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And the jailer comes to faith in Christ and eventually Paul and Silas are released and uh, this morning, now, we're going to trace Paul from uh, Philippi uh, all the way down to Athens in that section of uh, of his missionary journey. So we're going to look at our outline, and then we're going to look at some life lessons, and then we're going to close with uh, the Lord's table, and we're going to hopefully fit that in in the next uh, 35 to 40 minutes. So uh, uh, Acts 17 is where we're at, and this missionary journey number two, uh, Acts 17 covers three main cities that Paul and Silas visited, Thessalonica, uh, Berea, and then the third one, he ends up in Athens. And so uh, you can get on a, a plane today and fly 14 hours east and visit Thessalonike, Greece. It's a thriving city, about 800,000 people today. Probably in Paul's day, the population was about 100,000. You can go to Berea today as well. Uh, Berea's name has changed. It's the city of Berea, and obviously uh, you can visit Athens as well. Uh, this, is, this is where Paul is on this on second missionary journey, and we're going to start with Paul reasons with the Thessalonians. Paul reasons with the Thessalonians. If you'd like to fill out an outline, you can follow along. When Paul and his companions, verse 1, had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. So Paul's traveling from Philippi to Thessalonica. It's 100 miles. They probably walked. would have been a, probably a three-day three day journey of walking. And they end up in Thessalonica. And as Paul's pattern is, where does he start? In almost every city he visits, he starts by going to a Jewish synagogue. And that's what Dr. Luke records. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue... And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus, I am proclaiming to you as the Messiah," Paul said. So, what Paul do? They they go to the synagogue, and it says for three weeks, three Sabbaths, he's teaching in the synagogue. Doctor Luke uses four words there that are key words. He reasons with them. That's the Greek word dialogue. So this this is there this is more like a Bible study. They're kind of dialoguing back and forth. He's explaining and proving what's the explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. What was the biggest stumbling block for Jews to come to faith in Jesus as Messiah? The biggest stumbling block was that they thought that the Messiah was going to come and be a political deliverer. They thought he was going to be the rider on the white horse and he's going to come in with his armies and he was going to free them from Roman oppression. That's what they were looking for. And so Paul says, no. Let me tell you what the Old Testament Scriptures have to say. And Paul would have been an expert, being a former Pharisee of the Old Testament Scriptures, and it says that he reasoned with them and proved to them from the Scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah, and that he had to die and go to the cross to be the rescuer and the Messiah, and that the Old Testament Scriptures predicted that. So if you were to have a a person and you only had the Old Testament, because the New Testament isn't written yet, what passages would you go to to show somebody that the Messiah had to be the suffering Messiah before he became King Jesus, And there are many in the Old Testament. Uh, We won't take time to read them because of time, but Paul probably went to uh, Psalm 22, talks about crucifixion, written 1000 B.C. by David before crucifixion was even invented by the Romans. And he's writing about the fact that the Messiah is going to go to the cross. He certainly would have gone to Isaiah 53, that prophesized that the Messiah would be what? A suffering Messiah. Let me just read a few verses from Isaiah 53, written 700 B.C. Surely he took on our pain and he bore our sufferings. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. He goes on to describe uh, the... Um, The crucifixion. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was like a lamb led to the slaughter, as a sheep before it shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. What's that pointing to? That's pointing to the Messiah. And so Paul's reasoning with them and proving from them from the Old Testament scriptures. And what's the result? The result is many people believe. Uh, Verse 4 Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God fearing Greeks. And quite a few prominent women. And so the power of the gospel changed some lives there in Thessalonica. But as we'll see, wherever Paul went, there is also opposition, and that's what we find here in Thessalonica, our next out point of the outline: the riot in Thessalonica. Because while some came to faith in Christ, the Jewish leaders of the synagogue were not happy. They've lost some of their core group to being a follower of the Messiah and uh, they're not happy they're they're jealous dr luke points out verse 5 but other jews were jealous so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace formed a mob and started a riot in the city they rushed to jason's house jason was hosting the, the missionaries the missionary team in search of paul and silas in order to bring them out to the crowd But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have come here now. A little bit of hyperbole exaggeration there. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. Their message is not politically correct. If you were a uh, part of the Roman Empire, you had to say, Caesar is Lord. (laughs) If you didn't acknowledge that, you were in big trouble. And they're saying, these guys are saying, there's another king, Jesus. And so it says, when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. So Paul and Silas weren't in in jail at this point, but it says they posted bond uh, basically, the commentators are saying they gave the city officials money with the promise that these guys would leave town and and that's what that 's what happened. And so uh, we move on to uh, the next part of uh, the text here. Um, they, they make their way to Berea, so they leave Thessalonica, they do it at night under cover at night, uh, verse 10. Uh, And we're going to look at the readiness of the Bereans to receive God's word. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So Paul and the missionary team leave Thessalonica, they go to Berea, and they do it under cover of night, and uh, they go straight to the synagogue, and they begin again teaching and, and preaching to the Bereans. But I want you to notice the three characteristics of the Bereans. Dr. Luke says they were more noble than the Thessalonians, and he describes their nobility with three phrases. Number one, he says, they received the message with great eagerness. They were eager and ready to to hear truth and to hear God's word. And then it says they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. They were fact checkers, which is a good thing to do in our world which in in our world today especially where uh, people are trying to find out what it, what is truth. You know, it used to be when I was growing up that you would listen to Walter Cronkite on the CBS Evening News, and he was the most trusted man in America. And he would say, and that's the way it is, September 12, 1968, and that's how he would close his broadcast. And if Walter Cronkite said it, it was true. Um, This this summer I spoke to about 60 college students um, in a devotional, and I asked them the question, how many know who Walter Cronkite is? Two hands went up. Uh, One of the fellows was one of the leaders, so he was about 50 years old, and one of the college students. Nobody knew who Walter Cronkite was. But here's the Bereans. They're not just taking Paul's word for it. They got their scrolls out, and they're fact-checking what Paul is saying, and then it says that they did it every day. And so what was the result of Paul's ministry in Berea? Uh, As a result, verse 12 Many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But here's what happened. Wherever Paul goes, there's there's trouble, there's opposition. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too. The, The people that opposed him in Thessalonica traveled 50 miles from Thessalonica to Berea because... They want to stop Paul. And they arrive and they're agitating the crowds and stirring them up. So they're creating more chaos for the missionary team. So what what happens? The believers, verse 14, immediately sent Paul to the coast. They get Paul out of there. Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. So... Once again, uh, the missionary team is is driven out, the gospel makes inroads, but there's opposition, and uh, for safety reasons, uh, the missionary team leaves Thessalonica, goes to Berea, there's chaos in Berea, they leave Berea, and as we end our section of scripture this morning, they end up in in Athens, and we're going to see next week um, Paul's message to the intellectual elite at in Athens is an amazing sermon and uh, Jocelyn talked about understanding the culture of the people that you're ministering to and we're going to discover that when Paul was in the synagogue he used a lot of Old Testament scripture when Paul was speaking to the intellectual elite of the Athens philosophers he uses no scripture why they don't recognize the authority of the Bible just quote, quote scripture to them means nothing, and so Paul uses a totally different approach. And uh, we'll look at that um, next Sunday when we get to uh, Paul's uh, trip in into Athens. All right, this morning, uh, just in these last ten minutes here, we're going to think about three uh, lessons that we can kind of draw out of Acts 17 and the second part of the missionary journey. And so, here's here's the first one. Uh, we want to think about faith I'm talking about faith in Christ and Christianity is not a blind leap in the dark. You know sometimes people say, "You just need more faith. you don't have enough faith. I want you to realize this morning that that faith in Jesus and faith in the Bible and faith in Christianity is not a blind leap in the dark. Christianity is a rational uh, historical proven. Faith. Josh McDowell wrote the book "Evidence That Demands a Verdict." He started out to um, question Christianity and destroy Christianity, and when he investigated it, boy, did he! If you've read that book or seen that book, it is it is thick and it is thorough. And he's written a second edition. Uh, Josh McDowell's spoken to more college campuses uh, across the country and the world than any other person on the planet. And he came to faith in Christ because he said the resurrection is real. The reliability of the scriptures when you go back and you discover how many manuscripts uh, are behind uh, the, the translation of the scriptures far more than any other historical book that we just take for granted. Christianity is true. The key is not the amount of faith you have. The key is the object of your faith. And so this morning we can be encouraged because our faith is rock solid in in Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done. And I love the the hymn um, My faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. I trust the ever living one his wounds for me shall plead. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. So the reliability of the Bible. Uh, we haven't even mentioned prophecy. You know, How many prophecies there are, are in, in the Scriptures that have already been fulfilled, were fulfilled in Christ's first coming. And Jesus said, every jot and tittle that's written in the Bible, every little cross, T, and dotted I will be fulfilled. Most of it has. Not all of it. And the good news is that Jesus is coming again sometime and we can we can bank on that. So our faith is not a blind leap in the dark. Uh, secondly, uh, when God is at work, expect opposition. Jesus said it, didn't he, in John 16, 33? In this world you will have starts with T, trouble. Well, we could we could take hours here and just talk to each other and say, Let me tell you my troubles. We're all facing them. Should be no surprise. James says, "When trials come, they're going to come," and we see that in, in Paul's ministry, that wherever he went, that opposition came. And why is that? Because here's here's the here's the the key principle: when you get serious about walking with Jesus, when it's just not kind of an occasional thing, and I think you know when you get serious about it. And you become a threat to the the principalities and the powers that run this world, which is the the evil forces that are in control. You become a target. You become a target. So, I'm a I'm a, a big sports fan, football fan. Detroit Lions are playing tonight. They're going to double team Aiden Hutchinson. You know why? He's a threat. <laughs> so they're going to put two guys on him. <laughs> because they recognize how good he is. And so same principle is true if kind of just casually going through our Christian walk, but you get serious about walking with Jesus, you better expect um, opposition. And that's when um, the, the devil gets busy. I was going to trace that through the book of Acts, but we, wherever, so far wherever the missionary team has gone, they face great opposition. Started out from a fellow by the name of Bar Jesus or Alimus, um, and it followed him all the way to Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. Um, Lystra, they stoned Paul and left him for dead. Uh, Philippi, Paul ends up in jail. When God is at work, expect opposition, and that's why we need to be aware of the spiritual battle that's going on. Ephesians chapter six. You're you're battles against uh, the evil forces. And so we need to, what, have on the full armor of God, and we need to be in God's word, and we need to be praying. We need to be encouraging one another uh, because um, the enemy is at work. Well, lastly this morning, the third life lesson is, is this. The Bereans are a role model for how we should receive God's word. And so we read in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, uh, Dr. Luke, he's kind of comparing uh, the Thessalonian uh, believers to the Berean believers, and he says, the Bereans are more noble. And he tells us why. Now, many churches throughout the country, and this was true of the church that I grew up in in Cleveland, Ohio, um, one of the Sunday school classes was named the Berean class. And there, there, a lot of classes want to have a name, and they name themselves after the Bereans. So they're our role model on how we should receive God's Word. So I've already kind of looked at this, but I want to elaborate on it. Uh, how did they receive God's Word? Three E's. First of all, with great eagerness, Paul, uh, Dr. Luke says. They were eager to hear and study God's Word. What would that look like Today? if we had a great eagerness to consume the scriptures well i just jotted down a few thoughts worship and the proclamation of god's word would be a priority in our life that that, that sundays just kind of set aside hey we're gonna, we're going to we're going to go get fed from god's word and that's a priority in our life if we're eager to receive god's word we that that's a priority in our life and just some some practical um, practical hints um, from a pastor about attending church. And uh, one good thing I think to happen is to maybe get here just a little bit early, um, to get to church early. Now, I was um, said I was a big football fan, sports fan. My Cleveland Browns team lost uh, yesterday. But they were, after the game, they were cutting away to the next game that was played last night in Kansas City. And uh, Kansas City... Um, was playing uh, their their playoff game. Do you know what the temperature in Kansas City was at that playoff game? The wind chill was minus 30. They cut away to the pregame in Kansas City. The game starts at 8 o'clock. It's 7 o'clock, and there's already people in the stands. <laughs> and I'm saying, you guys are nuts! <laughs> You're going to sit in... 30-degree wind chill factor for four, three or four hours, and now you're there an hour early. I'm not, I, I don't want to be hammered. I just think it's good to get here. Just just, just get, to, get to church early if you can. It's a lot easier when your kids are out of the house. I'll testify to that. I, I, I know those struggles, you know. Been there, done that. But uh, that's, that's a great, great thing. Um, prayer. Um, You know, praying before you receive God's word, whether it's a Bible study or a message, God, you know, just speak to me. Open my heart to what you have for me today. Uh, uh, Taking notes, that helps us remember. And uh, not everybody's a note taker, but I think that that shows an eagerness, and we can go back and reread those notes and and let God um, speak to us again. Here's another one that I think is very, very helpful BYOB. Bring your own Bible. Yeah, I thought I might get a little chuckle out of that, but I guess it, I guess I didn't. But I thought it, I thought it was funny. Yeah, bring your own Bible. Why? So because we want to be like the Bereans. I don't just want to take what the person standing behind this pulpit is saying. I want to see it for myself. And so uh, those um, Bereans are a role model. And then and then here's the other. How often do they do it? Every day. Every day, so that's why they're a great, great role model. They received God's word with eagerness. They examine the scriptures and and were fact checking the the preacher, and that's a good thing to do. And then they did it every day. Well, that's Paul's um, middle part of his second missionary journey. And uh, next Sunday we'll look at uh, Paul's um, message on Athens to the. Uh, philosophers and the elite of uh, of that culture. But uh, just let me encourage you to realize that um, when you get serious about walking with Jesus, you're going to experience uh, opposition. And that's why we need to pray for one another and encourage one another and pray for our, our church and pray for our missionaries. Um, but also to be in God's Word, to be in God's Word. And uh, We need to do that on a regular basis. Why? Because it has the power to change our lives and to change people's lives. So I trust that um, you're in God's Word and I trust that you'll be open to His truth for you. And uh, this morning we have the privilege of uh, remembering what Christ has done for us by gathering around the Lord's table. So uh, let's pray this morning and um, we'll uh, transition to the Lord's table. Lord, Uh, Thank you for uh, missionaries, missionaries like Jocelyn, Uh, missionaries uh, 2,000 years ago like the missionary teams that took the gospel to the ends of the earth. Lord, not all of us have been called to go cross-culturally, but all of us have been called to be a part of spreading the good news, whether it's here in Manchester, whether it's someplace in the United States. Whether it's to the ends of the earth, thank you that there are many practical ways that we can do that. Uh, thank you for those who faithfully give so we can uh, support a missionary team of uh, twelve different missionary families here at community Bible Church. Thank you for the privilege of uh, throwing some spare change into a little box that's going to be um, given to uh, change your world campaign and to the world mission and to Uh, get an mp3 player where people who can't read and have never heard the gospel will hear the good news of the gospel so we thank you for this privilege thank you for jesus and what he's done for us we ask your blessing as we uh, pause now and reflect on uh, the cross and all that christ has done for us in jesus name we pray amen